Mystics. Hey, hey Mystics. Mystics. It's your girl, Andrea. And I'm Shelby Valentine. Welcome to Mystic Medicine, where we have conscious conversations around healing, expansion, and the messy reality of being human. This podcast supports your ascension, discussing everything spirituality, energetics, manifestation, shamanism, and so much more. Join our tribe of mystics in healing the collective and serving medicine, one One podcast podcast at at a time. time. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Mystic Medicine, our first official episode. This is your girl, Andrea. And this is Shelby Valentine. Thank you for joining us. This is uh, really exciting. It is exciting. This is like exciting. It's energizing. It's refreshing. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're bringing it. Yeah. It's happening. We are ready. We yeah. are ready to go. We are ready to talk about the real shit. And we're going to be so candid and so raw. We're not holding back anymore. That's our promise. That is our promise. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Take it or leave it. We <laughs> so, should get tattoos. Uh, yes. I don't know of what, but immediately, yes. Take, take it or leave it. Oh, take it or leave it. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking I thought we were already getting tattoos. We are, we are. So we have a special episode uh, all about change mm. and surrendering to the unknown. Yeah. I feel like it's such a present theme for myself and for all of my clients. And it's been kind of like since my kind of like awakening yeah. began in 2020. It's just been the constant question of like, will you trust the unknown? Will you trust the unknown? Yeah. Will you allow, you know, the current of life to move you? into change or will you fight so hard to stay the same yeah yeah and we're meant to evolve too so it's this weird place of like staying the same and feeling safe when in reality if we're not changing it's more unsafe to not change oh my god yeah and it's like i definitely used to really fear change some ways i still do but like i just now know so deeply in my bones how much more uncomfortable it is to fight the natural progression Mm. and the natural change yeah it's like swimming upstream oh my god it's so painful to try to stay confined yeah and i see this with people like with their bodies like trying to stay a specific weight yeah or like in a job trying to stay in a specific industry or like niche or like location or like family dynamic or like romantic relationship it applies to like everything like mindset we, mindset's a big one oh, too. yeah clinging on to like the same beliefs because the ego is going to tell you that anything familiar is safe yeah. even if what is familiar is not actually for you yeah yeah and it's so it's so difficult too because i feel like we are all meant to change and evolve and if you're not changing then it's it's stagnation and stagnation mm-hmm. is literally equivalent to death Mm -hmm. but there's so much repercussions for when we change Mm -hmm. like I don't know about you but when I started awakening and and changing the way that I talk to people the way that I talk to myself the Mm -hmm. way that I just walk in the world I had so much backlash from my friends from my family from the people I worked with Mm. I mean literally everyone and it was almost like it wanted me to backpedal it was like the universe being like are you actually going to follow through are you still like in this low self-worth yeah projection of yourself or are you actually going to step into allowing yourself to feel free and liberated because that's what is coming through with change is Mm -hmm. liberation even if in the moment it feels hard and strenuous and painful yeah yeah absolutely 
I feel like especially on the spiritual path, when you start to change for people who are just on a different path, it can be very, very triggering to like witness that type of change or witness that type of evolution. Yeah. Um, I definitely experienced that. And even before kind of like really coming out of the spiritual closet back in 2020, when I quit my corporate job and I started doing fitness and nutrition coaching and kind of had like my spiritual stuff like hidden beneath the surface. <clears throat> what did I you call it? A spiritual closet, closeted light worker. A yeah. closeted light worker. There are so many closeted light workers. Yeah. On this planet. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, you can come out now. It's safe. Yeah, Please it's come. safe. It's like pretty safe. It's not like yeah. that safe. Honestly, but the you more know, of us that come out, the safer it will be. Absolutely. Yeah, we talk about this all the it's time. It's safe here where we live. You know what I yes, mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I'm like entitled as fuck when it comes to living in Sedona. No, and like, no, it's yeah. Safe. Just come out. No, seriously. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people really judged me for that. A lot of people who I worked with in corporate were like, "You're never gonna make enough money. Like, you're this is like the worst." My, I had a superior toxic fucking guy say like this is like the biggest mistake of your life wow and i was like is it is it (laughs) but it was the best one and then i when i was out i was just like oh my god thank god i got out yeah um and that's not everyone's experience with corporate but like mine was fucking toxic yeah and i'll own like you know attracting a toxic work environment and that felt familiar to me in some ways and then you know on the spiritual front I had a lot of people uh, not understand and you know even now to this day I don't tell most people what goes on yeah and what my like actual spiritual life looks like which is my life yeah you know it's kind of like confined to people in my direct world and my clients and my people but I've just I've actually learned with that stuff to like allow myself to change and also just be so boundaryed about who gets to like who gets to be there yeah to experience my truth and that is like a protection to myself you know I've had really close people to me think I like had a mental illness for awakening oh man yeah that hits home and that's not an uncommon experience yeah it's really not an uncommon experience and what's hard too is like you feel like you are going crazy in the moment like, yeah as you are awakening you're like I am losing my you're progress. questioning everything and everyone oh including yours especially you're just like what the fuck is this yeah yeah it's so real and like what have i been doing yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. it can be really it can be really lonely awakening we need other people on our awakening journey like for sure i do not know what i would do without my spiritual guide i have no idea i found that when I first started to awaken, I had someone that I very much admired, and then it turned out to be not a great relationship and whatnot, but I have worked through a lot on my own, but there's only so much that I can work through and heal without having other people. So one of the things that I've really come to recognize and realize is I have expediated a lot of my own healing and a lot of processing my trauma when I started being friends with you on a deeper level and allowing you to see all of my cringe and all of my shadow and like help me walk myself through it so you can't do the healing work for me but allowing you to be in my space was so healing for me 
And it was beautiful because I get to do all of the healing work on myself, but knowing that there is community and that you are evolving and changing with me has been one of the most powerful things that I've ever experienced. Mm. And even just conversations, right? Like we'll just sit down and have a conversation and I'll have a big epiphany or I'll have something come through and I'm like, yes, that perspective feels so much more aligned for me, Mm. but that hasn't always been my experience. And you're so right. Who we share ourselves with is a huge impact of whether or not you're going to even continue to pursue your healing. Like for a long time, I was sharing my energy and my spiritual self with people who frankly didn't deserve it. Not because they were bad people, but because they didn't care to treat me with love and respect. Yeah, they couldn't receive you. They couldn't. And so instead of me moving on, I was still seeking that validation and that people pleasing and like wanting them to like me so deeply. So I neglected these areas of myself where, Mm. like you said, people thought I was losing my mind. Yeah. Literally going crazy. Yeah. 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 And, you know, to your point about like the needing, the needing people, it's like, this is the lie of self-help. Yeah. It's the lie that you can read books and have a lot of awareness around something or talk about something and have like the cognitive awareness around something alone and then it's fine yeah and it's like no trauma happens in relationship and it has to be healed in relationship Mm, like we we are meant to be in community talking about this stuff airing it out there's so much less shame that way and there's actually the chance for repatterning yeah repatterning a behavior or a thought it can't be spoken about you know, what happens in an interaction when you share your truth with someone that's vulnerable and the other person is like, okay. Yeah. It's it's safe. It's okay. Yeah. That shame is gone too. Yep. Yeah. It's like, it just dissipates. It's so quick and it's unbelievable how, how healing it is for you to see my shadow yeah. and for you to be like, cool, we're not making it a big thing because it's not, yeah. we all have this shadow or mm-hmm. we all have this version of this shadow and mm-hmm. I see you and you're still loved and it's gone and I'm like cool I no longer have shadow around my sexuality around being naked with other women and like just allowing myself to love my body Mm. I don't have shadows around boundaries you've taught me so much about my boundary and Mm. I used to be so ashamed to like have firm boundaries and you're like no you're I recognize that you have this shadow I see it Mm -hmm. and also you're allowed to have boundaries which Back to your point of, like, who are you sharing yourself with and who are you allowing in your space? Mm-hmm. Also, energy is currency. And so if you are constantly allowing people to take, 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 yeah, you're, you're pouring from an empty cup. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> and then we wonder why we're so depleted, Yeah, right? Like, people-pleasing and codependence is the water that we swim in. It is saying yes when we want to say no at work with our partners the archetype of the martyr self-sacrificing abandoning our needs not even knowing where our needs are not knowing where we end and another person begins having no idea what our actual energy feels like because we we don't have any type of boundaries it's so rampant it's like normal yeah to the point where where you see someone who has clear boundaries it's seen as unkind. Yeah, she's a bitch. Yep. Can you explain what the archetype of a martyr is? Because I feel like there might be people who don't fully understand that. Yeah, yeah. So 
The martyr is someone who believes that they have to sacrifice themselves for everybody else. And this person is praised for that. Yeah. So somebody who totally like self-neglect. The martyr archetype is like you're choosing to give everything to be praised. And it's also like manipulative in the sense that like you're becoming like indispensable to everybody else. Can I give you an example? Yes, yes. Because I feel like I am the perfect example of a recovering martyr. Mm. (laughs) So as the eldest child in a Hispanic family, I would run myself into the ground Mm. to make sure that my parents... So I was like an adult. I was like an adult at the age of seven. And from there, I realized that I would get so much praise and love when I would do things that would make my mom's life easier. Mm. By the time I was 15, I was raising all three of her children Mm. as well as being her manager for her own business and like bookkeeper for her and my dad running the entire household I paid all of the bills I made it so I was so indispensable that when I moved out they didn't even know how to pay their mortgage wow yeah and it was validating for me until I literally was falling apart and breaking down in every way shape and form but it made me feel good and in its moment it served its purpose for me to be so necessary for everyone else Mm. but literally I moved out and my my parents got a divorce they finally had to start parenting their own children which had no respect for them because I had made myself such a parent figure Mm -hmm. and it just was like everything kind of went downhill because I was holding everything together even though I know I shouldn't have been and in a sense it wasn't entirely my fault obviously I was a child at the time and responsibilities were placed on me but I took it on, especially as I got older, mm. because it gave me my place in this world. And then I took that and I gave the same amount of overgiving and people-pleasing in every job that I did. Mm. In every single place that I arrived, I would always get awards for, like, student of the year or, you know, like, whatever. Like, um, I got an award in student government for being the person who helped out the most. Mm. And it had nothing to do with me actually wanting to help as much as it did with me feeling like I needed to be needed and yeah. I needed to be important in that way because if I wasn't bringing more value than what I could actually give, was I even worth being there? Mm. But I've, I've seen it and I catch myself in multiple areas of my life trying to people please and trying to fall back into these like martyrdom patterns yeah yeah I definitely relate to the people pleasing pattern in a much less intense way yeah um can you say more about what the toll of that sort of like self-abandonment like took on you like on your soul I know it was like an unconscious pattern and for so many of us, it is. Yeah. Like, it's like, we don't even realize we're people-pleasing. I'm people-pleased until I didn't, right? Yeah. Um, but, like, what what is the toll that that takes on you? Oh, my gosh. I feel like it was mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical. Yeah. So, mentally, I was so overran that I just could not function. Like, I had the capacity to deal with my home life. And I don't know how I got through school, if I'm being honest, but Mm. school and home life. So I had essentially like no real friends because I just, I didn't have the capacity to hold it. And I also didn't know myself, like doing all this inner child healing work now. And when you ask, what did you like to do as a kid? I don't remember. 
I don't know, like genuinely. So I abandoned myself so much that I actually genuinely forgot Hmm. what brings me pleasure and what brings me joy. Which on the other side is kind of fun because now I get to like try everything. I'm like, yeah, roller skating, let's go. So it's (laughs) just, you know, it's an exploration. Spiritually, I was so disconnected that I didn't even know what it felt to actually connect to a higher power. And I grew up in the Aztec tradition in, you know, connecting with Mother Nature and very much in that sense. But it didn't click for me because I never got to experience this. I was always making sure that everyone else's experience was beautiful and integrated Mm -hmm. and full and like healthy or whatever I thought that I needed to control. And it all came down to control for me. Don't get me wrong. Like it was very manipulative in every way, especially as I got older and I realized that this was a necessity for me to be needed. Yeah. And then physically, it got to the point where my husband Michael needed to take me to the hospital in the middle of the night because the entire left side of my body mm-hmm. was paralyzed. And then I was having these extreme sharp pains in my chest from pure panic. It was like panic attack after panic attack where my body was just falling apart. I was drinking heavily, which all of my listeners know. All of our listeners know that I've been struggling with alcohol abuse for so long. And that was the result of needing to disconnect and needing to not have to think about it and Mm. not have to be in charge, which of course comes with its own lieu of physical ailments. But stress alone was quite literally killing me. It was destroying my body. And then on a relational sense, it was like when I moved on and I finally cut those cords, there was an entire other level that needed to heal when I realized that they, in fact, could survive without me. Mm. And like that was devastating. And I was like, well, how fucking dare you go on and live your life even though I'm like not living it for you? Like, mm. how dare you be okay without me? Mm. And so that was a whole healing aspect. But It was honestly detrimental, even though I thought that I was doing people favors, especially my mom, right? Like, my mom and I have a very tumultuous relationship. Had. We're doing a lot better now. But she was so dependent on me Mm -hmm. because I made her so dependent on me. Mm. And so what I thought was actually helping was harming her to Mm -hmm. where she didn't know how to survive without me anymore. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, I'm doing you a favor. This is good for my mom. And it's like, no, it's it's actually not. It's actually keeping her from living her own experiences and learning her own lessons. And I think this would be a great example for people who have children, right? Like, we assume that we can protect them from absolutely everything and make the decisions for them and really kind of, like, harness them and keep them in this little bubble, but essentially we can't Mm -hmm. I don't have children so there's only a certain extent that I can speak to this but as an older child who very much had to raise her younger three siblings I see this now and retrospect I'm like there's nothing I could have done that would have changed anything like it, it got to the point where my siblings are still making the decisions that they need to make and I can't control them and me trying to control them is only hurting myself and it's like I'm not able to control the shit that I can control, like regulating my emotions, mm. self-soothing, 
working on myself. Mm. I stopped working out because I was like, I don't have time to work out. I have to clean the house and pay the bills and take the kids to school. And I was like fucking 16. Wow. Like, you know, it was bizarre. <laughs> so yeah, I could go on forever. So interrupt me anytime. Yeah. No, I think that's a, it's like some people might think that's an extreme example of like the physical manifestation of, of that, of self-abandonment, but it's really not. No. Like it's really not. You know, even if you think about a time where you've said yes when you wanted to say no, like, think about what type of sensation that creates in your body. Yeah, yeah. It's not good, right? It's, like, a stress response or, like, anxiety or, you know, it can be something more acute. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I also attribute my sudden vision loss, for those of you that don't know, in 2020, (laughs) I randomly very very randomly woke up and had lost all vision in my left eye and most of my vision in my right eye so I was pretty much blind and it was diagnosed as a rare autoimmune disease that came out of nowhere but I got the clear download and knowing that it wasn't out of nowhere it was a lifetime of suppressing trauma and emotions and self-abandonment So the price of self-abandonment is so high. And so when you say that I've modeled boundaries for you, that's really beautiful to hear. And it's because I just needed it myself so much. And it's like when you read anything on mental health, it's like boundaries. And it's like, no, this like really fucking matters. Like if you don't have the capacity to say no, to recognize your own energy, to recognize your sovereignty – and to choose how you engage relationally with other people and even boundaries with yourself you know if you're not boundaried your energy is just leaking fucking everywhere Mm. you're taking on other people's you're self-abandoning all the time and it does manifest in the body yeah yeah and we talk about this all the time (laughs) everything starts at a spiritual energetic level first yeah Yeah. like Mm -hmm. everything starts in your field and so if you're just allowing people to take, 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 mm. there's no way that your body is not going to start breaking down. And this could be no. in many different forms. And I see this all the time. Like people don't think about, oh, this is affecting me in this way because they're not relating the two. Yes. You're creating this like, oh, this is one thing and this is another thing. Yes. It's like, no, it's, it's all, all the same thing. Yeah. And yeah. we know, we know people who live their life and they're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm perfectly fine. It's like, no, your, your body is falling apart. Yeah. You can't sit still for more than 10 minutes without mm-hmm. just like losing your shit. Yeah. And it's very clear that you're not fine. Yeah. And we live in such a fast paced society and such a like, hustle culture like hustle culture is fucking dying let's get rid of this shit like there is no need for people to be working 40 hours a week and still barely making it by financially this is this is a whole nother conversation we should we could do a whole nother podcast on capitalism but yeah this is a problem and this is pushing people to completely disassociate with their bodies Mm -hmm. and not recognize that something is wrong all of this stuff that's presenting itself is red flag after red flag after like yeah slow the fuck down like listen please listen yeah and how far do we have to get do we need to get to where you need to be hospitalized because you're you feel like you're having a heart attack or you're losing your vision yeah before you recognize that 
there's something wrong and something isn't feeling good and you've probably picked up the signs here and there but you're like oh it's just a headache I'm just gonna pop an Advil and get rid of it yeah or it's just a backache I'll be fine moving on getting on with my life when it's like all of these little things sure they could be mundane but if it keeps happening there's something there I think that it's like a matter of being so disconnected from our bodies and the natural cycles that our bodies go through not even being able and having the nervous system capacity to be in the body yeah which is really common and I definitely have experienced this the trauma response of just dissociation and then you stay dissociated yeah you know it's not something that gets better over time yeah so how would you say for people who feel like okay I'm feeling like I'm disconnected from my body what are some tangible action items that you can start to practice to bring yourself back if it feels safe so Safety in the nervous system is so subjective, right? So, like, something that registers as safe in my body could register as as unsafe in someone else's. I think that a good way to reconnect with your body is exploring, like, what those edges are with yourself. I think that for dissociation, any type of somatic practice that will get you into the present moment is really supportive and effective. So, for example, the practice of orienting which is engaging all five senses very methodically and intentionally to bring you into the present moment and into your body. So using your senses, which we rarely do. Like when you start orienting, you're like, whoa, I like didn't even realize I'm here. Yeah. That's really great for bringing you back into your body. Tapping can be great for bringing you back into your body. Just like the physical sensation of like tapping on meridians or even just like feeling your body, like rubbing your arms, like showing yourself that you're here. A lot of times for people who are dissociated, seated, eyes closed meditation can be unsupportive. Mm. So things like walking meditations, really engaging your sight, engaging your smells, grounding practices, earthing practices, being barefoot outside, dancing, it's really good, breathing, breath work, really good. Anything that is bringing you back into your body and not popping you right back up into your head. Um, Most of us are walking around not myself anymore, but most of us are walking around with, like chickens with our heads cut off. Yeah. Like there's so much mental, there's so much ego chatter going on that there's not actually connection to like the rest of your body. And if you even just like look at like the body itself, we're operating up here in our heads, not even in the subconscious, just like the conscious ego, like reptilian brain. And like there's so much more information and sensation available to us in like the 90% yeah. um, that we're neglecting, which is the body. Yeah. Also, I have a whole course on this that's starting in November called Body Speak. It's your six-week journey home to your body and self, and I will teach you all of the tools to get into your body and love the shit out of your body. Yeah. yeah. Do it. Do it. Yeah. You were amazing at like helping me with my own body, so hmm. I'm like fascinated by all of your knowledge around the body and how healed you feel to me in your own body. Mm. Like, it is amazing to watch someone feel good in their body, and, like, that gives me permission to feel good in my body. Mm. Thank you so much. I mean, I think the important thing to note is that I was so dissociated and so traumatized. I struggled with eating disorders, overexercise, substance abuse, overexercising alcohol abuse, 
you know, sexual abuse. Like, my body's been through a lot. And I never disliked how I looked. I've been in so many different bodies. But I definitely didn't love my body. I was literally treating my body like a piece of garbage for years. For years and years and years. So... You know, I like talking about that because a lot of times when you see someone who, like, is free in their body and, like, does treat their body really well, like, my body's, like, my main priority in my life. Like, it's, like, me and her. Like, you know, a lot of times it's, like, it's easy to, like, judge that person and be, like, oh, well, she's just, like, always been like that. And it's just not true. Like, it's just really not true. It's really amazing what is possible when it comes to healing your relationship to your body. Wow. Yeah. I'm really thankful that you created this course. I feel like it's so powerful and people people need more of this. Yeah, thank you. And have candid, candid discussions around, like, insecurities. And oh, yeah. Food. It's rampant. Yeah. It's fucking rampant. And the thing is, is, like, I created this course because there's only, like, one option when it comes to, in the mainstream, if you're like, okay, I want to love my body more, you find a diet. Mm. That's it. You, you find a workout plan or a diet. So really, the subtext is the only way to love your body is to shrink it. Yeah. And that's like destination happiness. That's like fucking fake. And yeah. it's just it's just the fitness industry and it's just Eurocentric beauty standards. And it's just all everything that's wrong with society telling us that we have to get smaller as women. So like this is an alternative to a diet. Like if you're sick of shrinking and you've been doing it for fucking years and you're looking for an alternative of loving your body right now. This is it. And also recognize the voice inside your head that says like, actually, no, like I can't love my body right now. I'm going to just find another diet because most people who have done body speak say that they felt resistance to it. And they were like, I wanted to just invest in another diet. Yeah. Because that programming is so fucking strong. Like my eating disorder voice was in my head for years after Mm. like, oh, maybe you should try to diet. Ooh, maybe you should try this thing. Yeah. It's a sneaky fucking thing. And so it's radical to be like, no, I'm going to invest in something that teaches me how to eat like I love myself, move like I love myself, regulate, stay in my body, and love the shit out of my body right now. Yeah. It's not focused on changing your body. You said something to me a few months ago that literally has stuck with me. I Honestly, you could write a whole book because <laughs> oh you God, say stop. things that stick with me all the time. You said when you are trying to shrink your body, you are literally telling your body that it's unworthy of taking up space. Mm. And that hit me like a giant boulder because yeah. my whole life, I've always been thin. I mean, I'm 4'11", for God's sakes. Like, I'm not She's very teeny. good. I'm teeny tiny. But it's like... We can't share clothes most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> no, we cannot. But the thing is, like... I, I was trying to make myself even thinner and even smaller. Yeah. And you, like, looked at me and you were like, you are just telling yourself that you're not worthy of taking up space. Mm-hmm. And I felt that and how much I was quite literally telling myself, like, you don't deserve to be this big. You don't deserve to take up space and to be seen mm-hmm. and to be felt if you're this big. Like, there was mm-hmm. so much, so much underneath that. Oh, my God, yeah. And that's not uncommon, right? Like, that's what I had. That's what every fucking person has. Everyone who's indoctrinated into this culture has that that feeling like they should be smaller, right? Yeah. It doesn't stop. Even, even men, right? Like, we Absolutely. think this is such a female thing, and I think we feel it... 
I think we talk about it more and we feel it even more. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that our our male counterparts aren't also feeling this. Like I notice when Michael, my husband, starts to change in the way that he is presenting in his iteration he also starts to talk about like oh i should start eating healthier not eating as much sugar which i'm like you shouldn't eat sugar in general but you know he is like very receptive to this and this is a man that really doesn't give two shits most of the time if he's wearing basketball shorts or regular shorts and yet when it comes to his body he still feels the pressure to absolutely look a certain way oh yeah men have so much shame around this and also, what I've found is that men have so much shame around their penises, mm. their penis size. Just like women feel like they can't have, like, a stomach. Yeah. You know, men feel like they can't have, like, a smaller penis. And, like, that's something that cannot be changed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I talk, I've talked to a lot of men about this. And... I have actually perpetuated that by, like, talking about, like, big dicks. This took a turn. <laughs> but, like, you know, like... Like, worshipping the big dick, like, and then people have, you know, it's perpetuating this idea that, like, dicks are only good if they're big. Yeah. And it's like, no, this is, like, a beautiful, like, piece of art, really. Like, and all, like, all penises are good penises. Like, this is a real thing in, like, the sex-positive community. And I was like, damn, I was, like, really perpetuating that subconsciously. We're all affected by the beauty standards of today and what is deemed worthy. And we'll never fucking get there. Because the goalpost keeps moving. Well, okay. We're just going to... We're going to dive off the deep end at this point. The Kardashians. Oh, my God. That's what I was thinking about. How many times have they changed how they look? Oh, my God. And even in their fame, now they've gone from these giant boobs and giant butts to now very slim and slender. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's no one else that can keep up with this facade really it's a facade right of what we should look like for other people for society for men yep men yeah i mean the cult of plastic surgery right like none of that shit is natural none of it absolutely none of it do a quick google search and like look at what is done to create these bodies yeah it's not natural like, the Kardashians had the audacity on one of the reunion shows to say, we just really care about working out, like, what we put into our bodies, and we shouldn't be persecuted for that. Literally denying hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars of plastic surgery. Yeah. And it is so fucking heartbreaking, honestly, because this is what we're looking at, and we're not seeing plastic surgery. We're seeing, oh, Kim changed. No, like literally no, it's plastic surgery. Like this is what it is. And, and they deny it so heavily. It's crazy. It's like yeah. literally crazy. It's, it's almost like gaslighting. It's like Oh my god, yeah. Gaslighting. Like we she, just work out. Yeah. Like you're just lazy. <laughs> what? I work out. Yeah, you know, well, and okay, throwing it back. Oh, that may, that grinds my girdles. Is that girds my loins? Girds my loins. <laughs> All of the all of the girdling. All of the grinding of the girdle. <laughs> so how many people work out and diet and they're like, I will I can't look like that. Yeah. Because you no, can't. Unless you have a few hundred thousand dollars to spend. Exactly. And here's the thing. If plastic surgery is making you feel better, if yeah. this feels aligned in your body and in your soul, if this is actually something that you are like 
I will feel more confident. I mean, there are genuine reasons to get plastic surgery. And I'm not saying, I'm not demonizing plastic surgery. What we're talking about here is really this expectation that is placed on everyone, both men and women, to look a very specific way, as well as the people who perpetuate these looks and these standards by making it almost like, oh, yes, anyone can attain this, when it's really not. Yeah, and I think it's just, like, the lack of transparency around, like, what that actually is. I don't know if it's just me, but if we look at pictures back from when people were eating healthier, for example, so, like, early 1900s, these people are slender. Mm -hmm. None of them are particularly curvy per se Mm -hmm. or what was considered curvy back then is I think normal right like but none of these people look the way that we are being told that we need to look today it's it's totally unnatural Mm -hmm. and unreasonable and unsustainable as women we're meant to fluctuate and change and evolve as we have children as we grow older men too I mean it's it's absurd that this is the standard that we're being told we need to right we need to be at well yeah and you know coming back to our theme of like permission to change we don't have permission to age Mm. there is no permission to age yeah like i'm 28 and i most of my friends have botox and i'm not shaming them i've thought about it i'm not even gonna lie being on camera so much i'm like yeah i can get rid of that line like but i wouldn't have ever fucking thought that if it weren't for social media, right? Yeah. Like, I would have never even thought that. If it and wasn't for people looking like they're 20 yeah. when they're 50. Right, right. Which, nothing wrong with that at all. But right. also, it's unreasonable for the, the vast majority of people. Yeah, and, like, what about, you know, there's not permission to age. There, there's just not. There's not permission to gain weight if you have a baby, Mm, yeah and it's really fucking sad it's like really fucking gross actually someone else was talking about this it might have been Catherine Zankina where she just had her baby and it was like people are glorified up until the point where they give birth and then immediately post-birth it's like oh gross you're still not back to your quote normal weight Mm. or you're not back to where you were before yeah (laughs) it's like excuse me I just fucking pushed out lose the baby weight yeah yeah it's so fucking gross when it comes to aging too it's like where did we lose the reverence for people who have gone through these experiences that have walked this path before and can tell you where the turns come and where the hills are the elders yeah like we've really lost this and i don't know about you i don't know about anybody else but i see an older beautiful woman and i am like mad gold same like mad goals to have gray hair Mm. actually let's talk about this yeah you have gray hair i have gray hair and i have a lot of grays not as many as you yeah low-key jealous yeah i'm I'm gray i'm gray dude (laughs) you have a gray streak which is like super hot yeah so how many times before you like started your spiritual journey did you notice gray hairs and you like wanted to dye your hair yeah yeah i think i definitely used to mind i mean even now like I'm, like, cool with it. I, like, don't care anymore. But, like, I got my... I had professional pictures done, and someone said, they were like, oh, like, she can touch up your grays. Oh, cool. And I was like... Well, Did you think she, about it? 
No. No, okay. No, I hadn't thought of it. No, I really hadn't. And I didn't even notice in the picture either. Yeah. So I was like, hmm, like, this is what people are seeing. Yeah. And I was just like, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, everyone wants to be airbrushed and perfect and, you know, fight aging. And I yeah. get it. And I'm not, like, immune to it. I'm not judging it. It's just like, if we didn't have all of this programming, we wouldn't care. Yeah. We wouldn't fucking care. The fact that I'm considering Botox at 28 is because I'm, like, a product of the society. Like, seriously. Yeah. And the so, same with you. Yeah. Like, that's why. Yeah. I used to dye my hair black. Literally since I was, like, 14, 15, I started getting gray hairs. And I have dyed it black up until, honestly, like, a year and a half ago when I started my shamanic practice and realized how important my hair was. Yeah. But this same conditioning around you have to be perfect and polished mm. applies not only to our appearances, but, I mean, especially how we act and how yeah. we respond and how we show up in the world and so you see a little kid and they're like I'm sad I get to be sad I'm gonna be sad and express my sadness and we learn to oppress and oppress and oppress and oppress mm. until now we're in this deep oppressive state mm. going back to the changing and the evolving when are we gonna learn that it's also okay to express and to mm. show up and to change revert out of this like phase of boxing ourselves in mm-hmm I feel like at some point, you know, everybody, I, I like idealize it. I don't know about everybody. I idealize when older people get to a certain age and they just don't give a fuck anymore. Like they just don't care. They're like farting in public, <laughs> like <laughs> saying what's on their mind. I'm like, why do I have to wait until I'm old? Not that I'm going to be farting in public, but like, why do I have to wait until yeah. I revert back to like a childlike experience mm. when my sole desire is to like, I want to, if I see a swing set, I still low-key want to go swing yeah. on it. And how many times have I held myself back because I'm mm. no longer a child, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm getting, I'm like slowly getting out of this, but it's so, it's so apparent and it's like, it shows up in everything that we do, this expectation to be so polished and perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's something that my partner always reflects back to me. He's like, I've never met anyone as who owns, like, how messy they are. Like, I'm, like, always, like, bruised and, like, fucking hurting myself and, like, barefoot and, like, kind of dirty, like... I'm kind of dirty. Like, I don't know. I just, like, I'm just not... Which is funny because some, some of my clients are like, oh, like, you, you appear so, like polished and I'm like oh <laughs> really that's interesting I feel like I'm like pretty messy like as a human yeah um I love that about you so do I I've never had the perfectionist gene and I feel like I don't so that I can like really go there for people yeah. like if I had the perfectionist gene then I would be like less messy yeah but I'm like so messy that I feel like I give other people permission permission to be messy 100% like Literally, my friend, when I packed for the trip that I just went on, she looked at my suitcase and she was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> she was like, you did not just pack like that. Like, throwing shit in there. Like, it's such a mess. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important. It's, like, it's all fake. Yeah. Right? Like, this, yeah. this facade of, like, having it all together and, like, this facade of, like, being and looking perfect all the time. It's exhausting, too. Oh, my God. It's so exhausting. It's so exhausting. Yeah. I can't, I don't know how people can keep up with it. Okay, also, the people who do look perfect and polished all the time have teams. Yeah. Like, these people are showing up with entire teams of people yeah. that are keeping it together for them. Yeah, yeah. It's unreasonable to be 
a human, right? Let alone a, a mom. Yeah. A, a mom who works full time. Yeah. A mom who has to take care of a household. Like, I'm I'm talking about moms specifically because I feel like there's just yeah. they're a lot of the target audience right. for like you have to be perfect. You have to feed your child organic food. You have to have oh your child God. be perfect. Yeah, my sister just had a baby. And we were talking about that. Yeah. There's, there's so much mom guilting and shaming. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. it, and it starts with us before we're even moms. Oh, yeah. It starts when we're children, you know, watching all these Disney princess movies and expecting mm. this beautiful, polished reality when yeah. it's like, shit's messy. Can we start talking about it? Oh, my gosh. Shit is so messy. Shit is so messy and shit is so unknown. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we can probably end with talking about, like, our relationship to change and the unknown, like, in our present life. Yeah. I mean, you're you're going through a lot of change. Oh, man. Like, I don't per, even like per usual. Per usual. I feel like <laughs> if I'm not going through change, it's weird for me now. Yeah, I'd be like, are you right? Yeah, what's happening? I mean, I was going to go to law school. I was a lobbyist. Yeah. I was a paralegal. <laughs> and if you had told me that three years from that point, I would be sitting in... An initiated shaman? An init- yeah, yeah. In Sedona, living out of an RV. <laughs> like, I would have told you you were fucking crazy. But also... I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I listened to the ping that Mm. I should go, that I needed to leave that life behind. And I found that the more that I surrender, the easier my life gets, Mm. truly. And if I stop surrendering, if I start to try and swim instead of just allowing myself to float and flow, then I start to sink. And this Mm. is like a very... Like it's a really good analogy. Thank you, thank you. I was like, I'm trying to relate it back, but that's like the best way no, I can say that, it. I feel that in my bones. Yeah, if I start to fight it, then shit falls apart for me. Yeah, and it's funny we think like, oh, I need to do, I need to do. No, you need to be, mm. be the embodied version of whoever that needs to be. And it, none of this is perfect. I'm by no means perfect. Yeah, but I know that in my worthiness, I am an expression of the divine and the divine wants to know itself and mm. the divine wants to connect and to love and to experience and so I get to do all of this and we're here for such a short blip yeah. that I'm done pretending that I need to be perfect and polished mm. I'm done pretending that this podcast is anything other than just my experience as I'm going through it and it's gonna change I mean it's changed already a thousand times and it'll continue to change yeah. and now we're adding you to the mix so it's like gonna change even more yeah. and it's and it's beautiful. And if it wasn't changing, then it would be dying. Right. Right. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I feel like that's so much about, you know, I guess I used to, like, have a five-year plan. And now I don't even have, you know, I, like, loosely map out my business stuff for the rest of the year. It's, like, what, four months? I've seen your I've seen your business stuff completely change. Oh, <laughs> it it changed everything. Everything is subject to change, literally. Like you map it out, and I'm like, oh, that didn't happen. Everything is subject to change. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like you said. Like once you're like listening, yeah, you can't unhear things. Yeah, and you can't force it. It's do- it doesn't fucking work. No. So it's kind of like a blessing because it will always. You know, source will always remind you if you're off track. Mm. You know, oh, shit, yeah. shit just won't happen, right? Um, I've tried to get clarity on where I'm going to live. I've tried to get clarity on 
whether a long-term partnership with my partner is is supposed to be for me. Am I supposed to, you know, be married? Am I sp- not? I'm not married. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but like, am I supposed to be like in long-term partnership? Am I supposed to be living in a commune? Am I supposed to be a monk? Am I supposed to have a business? Am I supposed to do business coaching? Like, how much money am I supposed to make? All of these questions are so unknown. Yeah. I have no fucking idea what my life is going to look like next year. Same. Like, zero. Same. I forgot to even mention that I'm, like, moving again. This is like, what I was, That's what I thought you were going to mention. <laughs> same. Oh, I went big picture. But please continue. Yeah, no, it's just, like, there's... I'm, like, living the book The Surrender experiment for the past few years, but especially mm. now. I'm just, like, I'm not fucking driving. Yeah. Because I, I can't. Yeah. It doesn't work. I don't want to. So now it's just, like, surrounding myself with people who also swim in the unknown. Yeah. Like, I can say that to my partner. He's just, like, well, be present. Yeah. And I'm, like, okay. Beautiful. <laughs> and, like, with you, it's just, like, you're, like, I don't fucking know. I'm, like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. And it works. It yeah. works out so much better. Like, yeah. I see us, and we're so fucking happy. Yeah. Like, truly happy. Just, like, oh, my God, look at this really cool butterfly. Like, that's amazing. Did you see this dragonfly? Like, that bat is so cool. Like, everything that we experience in the just moment. Just animals. Yeah, I know. That's my excitement. But, like, we get to be so present knowing that it's all temporary. Yeah. Everything is always temporary. Oh, and yeah. when we start to feel like we need to grasp on and fixate, fixate on, like, this one thing, uh-huh. that's where the pain comes in. Oh, my so God, allowing yeah. allowing ourselves to just be like, you know what? It's going to change. It has to change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's allow it to change. So why don't we end officially on give me, like, two or three things that people can do or that you do, examples of how you surrender. Mm. I love tangible action items. Like, what can we give people? Yeah. Um, I think that for me, the most powerful practices of surrender are prayer. Yeah. Giving it, giving it up. Like, just giving it up, giving up my concerns. Um, And just, like, cultivating that relationship with your guides and the divine and, you know, whatever lineage you connect with to fully know that you're held in the moments where you feel like it's scary to surrender. Yeah. That relationship, anything that's connecting you to that relationship and that knowing, that's fucking everything. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing um, for me personally has been plant medicine experiences where you don't have a choice but surrender. I have a tattooed on me, surrender. Yeah. You don't have a choice. So you're practicing surrender. So that's really beautiful. Um, obviously, I don't go and do that if you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't yeah. just, like, hear me say yeah, that and go do that. Uh, feel into that. It's a personal decision. Use your sovereignty. Um, and the other thing I would say is putting yourself in situations where you have to surrender, like putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. Um, I do that a lot, um, like, socially and relationally. And also just, like, travel-wise and, like, lack of plans. Like, putting myself in situations where surrender is necessary. Yeah. I have just... I have relinquished so much control yeah. in my life that it really is, like, a muscle. If you're, like, I'm bad at surrendering, it's, like, how much do you do you try to surrender? Like, how much do you... Are you practicing surrender? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. oh, it's, like, a muscle. Absolutely. I was the most control... I mean, you guys heard, I, was I was too. such a control freak. Yeah. So, it's funny. You said two of the three things that I was going to say. So, number one, connection to yeah. a higher being. Whatever mm-hmm. that connection looks like. And I find that prayer is hard for people because some people don't 
quote, know how to pray. So Mm. it can literally be as simple as, hey, higher being, Mm. this is a lot. I don't know what to do with it. Can you just help me? Our free will will not let them help us unless we specifically ask. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. higher power. I was going to say, wait, what was the third thing you said? (laughs) Putting yourself in situations. Yes. Yeah. So places where you get to like not have any control is Mm. so fun. At first it's terrifying coming from a control freak it's like oh my gosh can I manage to like not take over but it's really liberating once Uh you're like I don't have I don't have to be in charge Mm -hmm. and that's really awesome and fun and I can just trust that I'm going to be taken care of yeah for me the third thing would have been yes plant medicine has been phenomenal but also just being in your body and Mm. like feeling that your body will guide the way for you. It'll mm. tell you, yes, this feels good. No, this does not feel connection good. Connection to your body, yeah. And connect- for yeah, sure. connection to your body. Yeah, that's fucking everything. Connection to your body is connection to the divine. Yeah. It's connection to your intuition. It's connection to any information that you could possibly need. The yeah. body is the vessel. And connection to everyone else. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So good. Are we, are we complete? I was going to ask if you could say a prayer uh, to help everyone surrender Mm, absolutely okay we call upon all of our angels all of our guides all of our spirit guides the divine our highest self god source the universe may we all learn to surrender to go with the flow may we all learn and embody the truth that lives within all of us, the oneness in the divine, the great plan, knowing that we are conscious creators just as much as we get to be playful children, that we continue to expand and heal together in community, fully surrendering to a greater plan, to the greater good, and to love. Aho. Mmm. Oh. Beautiful. That was so beautiful. Yay. Mm, I felt that. All right, you guys. With so much love, we are going to close this circle. Mm. We are so thankful that you came here today. We're so thankful that Shelby is joining us and that this has now become Mystic Medicine. Yeah. Thank you for receiving me, and we are supporting you in your exploration of surrender. Just know that you are so fully held, so fully held, so fully supported, so fully seen, and that you have an entire team behind you at all times holding you. Mm. All right, mystics. Go serve your medicine. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for another medicine journey. Be sure to follow the podcast so you never miss an episode and share and tag us on Instagram at Mystic Medicine Tribe. If you loved this podcast, we invite you to leave us a review. Okay, Mystic, go serve your medicine.